Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to day two. If you were unable to join us yesterday, absolutely no worries. We promise and guarantee the same energy, excitement, and inspiration. I just want to go ahead and go over a few housekeeping items real quick. My name is Angelica Garcia, and I am the Cultural Engagement Officer at Aspita Consulting. We will be recording today's session. Again, no worries, self-care. If you didn't brush your teeth, if you got some laundry in the back, don't worry, we got you. We have an amazing video editor and we'll make sure to hide all that in the background. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and hand it over to Thank you, Angelica. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome back for day two, our last day of the first gen virtual summit. Uh, I saw many of your uh, comments on social media yesterday. There was really, honestly, I mean, it, it is an understatement when we say that there was a lot of energy. I mean, we, we lit the roof on fire. Um, all the speakers, all starting with Brian and uh, the panels and, you know, ending it at the end with Wendy's um, personal story. Today, we have another uh, excellent uh, session. And uh, to kick it off, we have uh, Dr. Lanisha Adams, who's our keynote speaker this morning. A little bit about Dr. Lanisha. Um, she is a first-gen scholar, student success strategist, and founder of an award-winning education consultancy, uh, Ed Linguist Solutions. She has over 20 years of experience in education at school, district, and state levels. Um, she has a PhD and is a certified coach on, on a mission to revolutionize how people learn by co-creating tools and resources they need to lead uh, their own development. In a message you won't want to miss, folks, and she does have something for all of us at the end, and she'll share it here in, the, in a minute, but Dr. Adams explores two words, me, power to help us rethink how we see first-generation students and professionals. Dr. Lanisha, bienvenida, buenos dias. Welcome, my friend. It's all yours. Buenos dias. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Thank you, Oscar, for that wonderful introduction. I'm so honored to be part of this inaugural event. If you were at the summit yesterday, you heard Brian call this gathering an intellectual Coachella of sorts. We have music, we got good vibes, and we have the power of an amazing community without any boundaries or borders. Please drop your favorite party emoji, letting us know uh, you're here with us. Drop it in the chat. You're bringing the energy on your side of the screen and also let us know where in the world you're joining in from. Let's light up the chat. So we already were lighting up the chat when people were coming into the room. We were listening to Celia Cruz. That was some of my, that's one of my theme songs, uh, La Vida es un Carnaval. And it very much is. And I think 
when I'm reflecting on what we learned yesterday in yesterday's first gen students panel, the moderator Christine said something that struck me as profound. She talked about being a first gen student that was a label be, be, we talked about uh, proudly right before first gen was even a label before we were counted and even codified in the student college student lexicon it made me question the first time i really thought deeply about what it means to be the first in my family to go to college a little about my history i'm based in the dc area now but i'm originally from southern california i rep long beach hard where i was born but i was raised in la county with roots in inglewood and compton my mom had me when she was 16 and was able to finish high school because the village came together to help her complete night classes my father didn't finish high school but he's one of the most well-read and educated people i know when i say educated i'm i'm not limiting it to formal schooling and the knowledge one has about topics so much of his education is about who he is. My father is a Samoan immigrant and proud father in addition to what he knows, especially so much about of his education is about who he is and not just what he knows, especially when you factor in what he's had to learn on the streets. So I'm proud to be with you this morning as a first generation college graduate three times over. I think when reflecting on what Christine was talking about before we even had the label, before we had a lot of data on who first gen students were, uh, the, what is the feeling? What's the idea behind what it means to be first gen? I think I thought about that realization when uh, the for the first time I was driving to class uh, on the 15 freeway uh, and when my 1991 Toyota Camry broke down and I was going, uh, the 15 in, in San Diego, I was going to my alma mater, Cal State San Marcos. And I ended up missing class that day. And I didn't even think to explain it to a professor because someone in my family who didn't even go to college mentioned that the professors don't even care about whether you show up or not. It's all about your grades and performance, they said. And in the 12 page contract, also known as the syllabus, the professor created a scenario where unexcused absences cost students a letter grade if they didn't show up, if they were late, because class participation was weighted heavily. I had no idea about that until I got my grade. As we know, first-gen college students is defined as an undergraduate whose parents do not have a bachelor's or higher degree. During Oscar's presentation yesterday, I learned a new definition of first-gen, broken down as an acronym reflecting tenets of first-gen superpowers. I think it's important to recount that acronym here today. I'm gonna share my screen now. But it's, it's very important because it was a new way of seeing and thinking about what we mean when we say first gen. It's so important. Language is, is just so very important for us to examine and for us to question when we're using it. And he started off with this idea of fear, feeling the fear and taking action anyway. The acronym is broken down as follows. The initiative, taking initiative, having resilience, being able to get up more than we fall embodying a servant attitude leading with one's heart having tenacity and gratitude expressing gratitude empowering others and no is crossed out here because it was very interesting what he said when presented with a no in the heart there's always a yes yes i can and first gen students and professionals pursue their hopes and dreams anyway even when the odds aren't necessarily with them so when it comes to first generation students and professionals, there are two words that need to be included in every single conversation. The, those words are me and power. 
Today in my talk, I'm going to redefine empower, discuss why common uses miss the mark of the word's true meaning, and connect this conceptualization to how we can see first-gen professionals and students in a different way. You know, their, true, their very presence in settings that are not necessarily designed for them reflects evidence of individual and collective empowerment, which is valuable to us all, whether we're first-gen or not. So what is me power? In this slide, you see the five principles of me power reflected in a wheel, it's a framework, and I spent two years unpacking the concept of me power through linguistic analysis, direct and secondary research and interviews. So after analyzing the data to my primary questions of what is empowerment and how do people manifest it, I noticed the pattern of five components, which you'll see in the gray around the wheel here, right? So the first one at the top, motivated energy, my education, my self-expressed, mastering excellence, and more than enough. So each me that we see here, really, it really reflects uh, one of five interrelated parts of ourselves. And when I'm thinking about empowerment, I'm thinking of it as activity. And so it's very important to keep in mind that each of these components are is pretty much associated with the principle that you see reflected in the black on the wheel and a practice. So these principles have associated practices that we do. Again, emphasizing activity. So the first is embrace your barriers. The second is focus on your strengths. The third is speak for your life. The fourth is choose your guides. And the fifth is ritualize your reflections. So these together, these principles and practices provide a framework for people to understand the true meaning of empowerment, me power. As a life, so, a lot of people ask me, why would you start with picking on the word empower? Because people use it so much, it's pretty ubiquitous. And I think we take a lot of time this word for granted, what it actually means. So if we look in Webster's here, and I wanna, oh, I didn't even realize I had um, a block here. But if we look in Webster's, we can kind of see that the definition is the act or action of empowering someone or something, the granting of power, the right or authority to perform various acts. And it's not exactly clear who is doing this, right? So as a lifelong lover, as a lifelong word lover and uh, trained linguist, I went to the best resource for the English dictionary. Guys, it's not, it's not Webster's, it's Oxford English Dictionary. Uh, the OED has 6, 000, uh, 600,000 words with present day and historical meanings, more than three and a half million entries spanning over a thousand years. I was trained as a linguist, so I performed this etymological analysis of the word, which is the study of the origin of words. So you look at where, where, how did it come to be? What, you know, English is a conglomerate of many languages. So what languages influenced it? So I looked at the, the inverse of its prefix M, which is me, and the word's prefix stems from French, Old English, and Latin meaning in or into. So the problem, uh, if we take a closer look at this word, isn't really about M, the first part of the word. It's about the root, power. Now, a lot of people have ideas about power, what this means and what this looks like. When I examined the word, I, I, look, I saw that it has to, more to do with power over, referring to this, I, this notion of um, some externalizing effect of controlling, impacting, or influence, influencing others. So if, if you look at, if you think about powering over, it's kind of the opposite of empowerment. 
And yet the two terms share a similar meaning, both referring to giving someone else power or authority. And this really, uh, when really unpacking this, I'm, I'm really taking a look at what are like three misconceptions around this idea. The first misconception is the idea that power is, is finite, right? This idea that power is, all, is a resource that can be distributed amongst individuals based on rank or status. So some people deserve it more than others. This is a, that's a misconception, a way of thinking that I'm not buying into. The second misconception purports that we need approval from somebody promoting the idea that power relies on, uh, again, someone else to give it to us. And then this third misconception is the idea that my win means your loss. So when one power party gains power, this automatically means the other party loses. So instead of thinking of power as a finite resource that can only be distributed from one person to another, what if we redefined it as something infinite and ever present, which everyone already embodies? And so it's from this position that I, I think about uh, power, I, I think about empower and me power as knowledge of self combined with principle action. And if we shift our thinking from empower to me power, we really change the emphasis on who is the active agent that creates the change that we want to see. Inherent in traditional definitions of the word, as I've explained, is the idea that somebody else is going to empower us. But empowerment is not something we receive like a gift. It is something we do. It is a process in which we engage. Me power challenges the notion that we need to be empowered by others. So I'm going to break down the five principles of me power and showcase how first gen is how being first gen is evidence of true empowerment, right? Where the power with resides within. And it's so it's so important um, to emphasize that it's not just about individuals. It's also about how we do that in community. So the first principle of me power is embrace your barriers and motivated energy. And when we think about, I'm going to just drop this here. When we think about uh, embracing hardships on the route to success, we have to, like, what, what underlies that? And when I was examining a lot of the literature and interviewing folks, I really came down to this, it really came down to this notion of motivated energy, where you use the, the strength that you have, the most powerful position in the eye of the storm to help you stop internalizing what those barriers are and begin to view them as opportunities to excel. So I have a question for everybody here. I would like some interactivity in the chat. I'm curious to know what you think is, or if you have an idea uh, in your mind, what's one example of first-gen students, graduates, and or professionals showcasing strengths when embracing their barriers? Right. So when you're embracing your barriers, you're going to be looking for it as an opportunity, whatever's standing in your way, whatever that no is, how can you turn that no into a yes. So every time and, and this uh, principle is about looking at how every time we encounter a barrier, it presents an opportunity to figure out how to get around it. So you're going to Im implement creative ways and finding solutions to the problems that you might otherwise seem impossible to solve. And sometimes we can do that by ourselves, but most times we do it in community with each other. So if you can type in the chat um, one example that you think first-gen uh, students and professionals do this, that would be great. Seeing barriers as opportunities instead of as insurmountable obstacles. Yesterday, I'm reminded of, I was reminded of uh, one of the takeaways for me. We asked in the chat, what was one of your major takeaways? And um, 
in Brian's talk, he really emphasized that the barriers many times are systemic and we're and by not discussing and thinking of the barriers as systemic, we're focusing too much on the individual. So in my story, I talked a little bit about how not knowing that the syllabus is really the law for how you engage with understanding what your grade is going to be and how that impacts you in college. Navigating institutions such as college and even from the panel yesterday, we, we, look, we saw that corporate settings require knowledge and access to resources, being on hyper alert about unwritten rules and expectations of those settings, and a kind of chill that, shield that protects and invites without appearing too threatening. And when we think about being in the eye of the storm, I'm gonna come back to the chat, but when we think about being in the eye of the storm, we, you know, that is the most calm place when you have like tropical cyclones. So it's in the middle, the blue is where the most calm part is. And when you see around this ring of towering thunderstorms where the most severe weather and highest winds are occurring. So what are some examples of first-gen students and graduates showing calm and resolve when encountering barriers and when facing seemingly unsurmountable obstacles? The first principle of me power will showcase that first-gen, we have what it takes to really embrace our barriers and keep moving forward. The second principle of me power uh, is focusing on your strengths, my education. What uh, the question I'm asking uh, you to identify in the chat, and if you could put number two in front, that will help us when we're looking back at the chat as we're looking at some of your answers to the questions that I'm posing. So what are some tools for identifying one's strengths we can use as resources for first-gen students, graduates, and or professionals? And um, this idea of focusing on one's strengths you know, in order to focus on them, you have to identify what they are. So deeply rooted in knowledge of self, I argue that Focusing on your strengths provides a foundation for your education, whether that's in school or beyond school. Beginning with a broad definition of strengths, I'm talking about your natural talents, your values that you can see in action, um, assessments that really tell, give you insights about some of the strengths that you have. And so it's with these tools that we can identify what our strengths are, which provide much needed insights to hidden potential deep within us. It's important to identify these strengths and use them as our superpowers to get from where we are now to where we want to be. And Oscar really emphasized that. And when he broke down that definition of first gen and, and looking at all of the ways we we have these superpowers, it really uh, helps us think of first gen folks in a different way. And it's through this me power lens that I want us to walk away with an understanding of. So the third principle of me power is speak for your life. It means taking it means speaking up for your authentic self, engaging in positive self-talk, and honoring the responsibility that comes with being heard and understood. So when I mention speak, I, I mean it in a literal sense and also figuratively. So through art, dance, cooking, however folks express who they are. So what are some best practice examples of how we honor expressions of who first-gen students and professionals are and where they come from? Please type your responses in the chat with a with the number three in front and so these numbers one two three are uh following the sequence of these five principles of me power and i'm moving on to the fourth principle of me power which is choose your guide this is probably my favorite one 
because it really emphasizes this notion of our me power. I think a lot of folks get so focused on the word me thinking it's so individualized. And I, I like to say that we start with me first. Me first is always in relationship to, not me only where you're only thinking about yourself. Me first, I'm thinking about how I'm getting my needs met in relation to everyone else. And in, as we learn and grow through life, we can't evolve beyond our present level of present state of consciousness without a guide of some kind. So when you think of guides, think of friends, mentors, coaches, and they people who challenge you, call you out, you know, ask you questions that allow you to develop a deeper understanding of yourself. Um, who are some unlikely guides for first gen students and graduates and or professionals? I'd like you to type in the chat with a number four. And by unlikely guide, when I think about guides, you know, we we have these examples, right? Mentors, coaches, friends, educators, those are quick, quickly come to mind. But we also might want to think about uh, guides as like being on our board, personal board of directors. So who are the individuals uh, you turn to uh, or that students you're interfacing with turn to to regularly uh, ask for advice and feedback? So there's a few roles to consider. There's professional coaches, uh, there's wellness advocates. Right. So I have a friend who's always reminding me uh, to take care of mental, emotional, physical health. In fact, she put me on a health wellness plan to really make sure to hold me accountable and really make sure that I was taking good care. Um, we also think of like sponsors. So folks who sit in rooms first gens don't have access to are, are not in and they can advocate for them. So choosing a guide is really all about identifying folks in spaces you know who can show you support that you got this, which is incredibly important for anyone going against the odds of being in certain places. This chat is really on fire. I'm gonna take a pause. I don't wanna start uh, messing with my chat, but Oscar or anyone monitoring on, on the team, do you see any, uh, a couple standout comments in the chat? Yeah, no, first of all, I mean, you're right. I mean, you're, you've got us engaging here. There's a lot of comments here uh, in the chat. Uh, as far as uh, question number four, I have some people here, uh, like Bianca said, my uh, godfather, uh, Romero, friends and professors, uh, Ruby, my mom, my friends, older sister, uh, Angelica, uh, her grandpa. Uh, I won't take that personally, Angelica, okay? But... <laughs> <laughs> In case you don't know, folks, Angelica is my daughter. <laughs> so, but, but no, my friend, uh, Dr. Adams, you're doing fabulous. This is some great um content and, and very enlightening for me too the way you've also encapsulated this whole word of empowerment because i use the word empowerment quite a bit and i'm loving how you are breaking it down for sure thank you so much oscar and thank you everybody for participating the last uh principle of me power the fifth principle of me power ritualize your reflection so your reflection is your is a capacity to clearly see what influences you so you can understand your own behaviors and reactions and of course folks this changes over the course of our life and uh i think it's very important to think about how maybe when we were when we're going through life sometimes we feel like maybe we're not where we want to be and we don't have certain things. And this is interesting because the underlying uh, concept of this principle has to do with believing that you are more than enough. And this central belief is, is important to feeling and being empowerment. So you are enough, right? Like what, even when the world says you're nothing, you're worthless or you're uncared for and God, heaven forbid, 
the world says that to you or it, you feel that way or it's implied in any regard. I really want to emphasize that when we are reflecting on where we are now versus where we have been before, we have to know that we are even more than enough. So this principle really emphasizes revisiting the moments and aspects of who you are, you may have forgotten along the way, right? Because time may have passed and you may forget. And I think it's very important. And I'd love for folks to share some favorite ways that they ritualize reflection. And it's almost like, as I'm asking you these questions, whether you are first gen or not, I think that if you interface with someone who is first gen as a student or a professional, the way in which you navigate, the way in which you feel me power is going to impact how they feel me power, right? It's going to impact how they see themselves. And I think it's very important for us to really be reflecting on who we are now versus who we are in the future. One of my favorite uh, ways to reflect, to ritualize reflection is by doing time cap capsules. I have a two and a four-year-old and I've started writing them letters so that when they're older, uh, they can read these like, you know, look, you had me up at 3 a.m., uh, I was up all night, all morning, uh, being with you, and here's what I'm thinking about, and this is what was happening in the world, and I'll add uh, artifacts from now, right, because ch things change in such a short amount of time, and then I also love writing a letter to my future self, The and, and journaling is also my favorite way to ritualize reflection, so if you can add that in the chat, I just want to end by saying that you know, me power is operationalized in activity. And if you see this wheel again, you know that it's not just um, it's not just a simple noun. It's really looking at how we have knowledge of self and how we uh, take principled action in five areas of practice. And our me power is about the relationship with when, within oneself and that self in relation to the so social world. I really would love for us to remember as we leave today that we can't build a better world on our own. It's it's really this realization that re requires a strong understanding of who we are, and it demands that we recognize our shared responsibility in shaping the future. I want us to end, and I'm gonna stop sharing here. I know I'm uh, at my time, but I really want us to end with this chant um, from a 21-year-old organization, one of my favorite nonprofits that was created by 9-11 survivors. Uh, the chant requires us to unmic. I don't know if folks uh, have the capacity to do that. Um, I'm going to stop sharing and really ask folks to unmic as we chant this. And if you can repeat after me when we chant, we are power. We, we are, are power. 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 We are strong. We are, we are strong. strong. Who are we? Who are we? First Gen United. First Gen United. Somos Poder. Somos Poder. Somos La Fuerza. Somos La Fuerza. ¿Quiénes somos? ¿Quiénes somos? First Gen United. First Gen United. Thank you, Dr. Adams. Listen, if I would have known we were going to do this chat, I wouldn't have had any coffee, okay? Because you just re-energized me again, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everyone, please, kind of a virtual round of applause here for Dr. Adams, you did fabulous, my Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. 
Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspidaconsulting.com. Thank you.